Uh, we're, we're going through this series. It's actually, we're just, I'm preaching through the book of Acts. We've entitled the series Taking Root, which by now it's even obvious we're entering into the fourth chapter. And, and it is to say, you know, we're, we're looking at the very beginnings of the church, the planning of those roots. And went from, from Peter's sermon so far, we know what the roots, we can absolutely identify the roots. Because in each message, it's been you've killed him and God raised him. We're talking about Jesus, right? That Jesus, everything that Jesus did in those, those, those years of his walking in this, this earth, his death and his resurrection, and then the coming of the Holy Spirit is, is absolutely the beginning of, of the church, uh, in, in chapter 2, we saw Peter preach. In chapter 3, just last week, we see him preaching uh, his second sermon. So we're, we're entering into chapter 4, but, but let me kind of take you back to, to chapter 3. In, in both chapter 2 and chapter 3, they, he had the greatest introduction to a sermon. Uh, both of them began with a miracle that caught everybody's attention and everybody's focus. And so each time, Peter was able to address, you know, and, and say, this is why this happened. And, and we know in chapter 2, it, it was these Galileans speaking in various tongues. And it caught people's attention, and they came running, and, and what's going on? In chapter 3, last week, as Peter and John were entering the temple to pray, like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, they spotted this, this man who was lame. Uh, had been lame for all his life, and, and uh, he was asking for change. He was asking for some money, and, and Peter said, well, hey, silver and gold, I don't have any of that, but what I do have, I give to you. And he, he, he said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he, as he took his hand, his ankles and his feet were healed, the scripture says, and, and he, he told him, rise up and walk, and then he didn't rise, he jumped up. It said he leaped, which is, what a great way to start a sermon. But anyway, he leaped, and, and then he followed Peter and John on into the temple, and he went walking, leaping, and praising God. What a service that day. The service included everybody's eyes were on the, the man who was lame, who had been sitting there day after day asking for change, asking for alms, and, and they knew him. And, and they just were in awe. What has happened? So he gave Peter the opportunity to preach his second sermon. And the answer to both days is, it's Jesus. Uh, what, what's happened? How, how is he able to? Well, it is because of Jesus. Uh, and, and in each content, as I said before, uh, you killed him, but God raised him from the dead. And, and he, Peter also had the opportunity to call them. He said, you need to repent. He need, you need to repent so that your sins may be blotted out. And so that was part of the content. That we went through more of the content last week. But in chapter 4, uh, they, hadn't, they hadn't finished speaking yet. Uh, and, and so we're going to pick up 
where Peter left off or was interrupted, I will say, as Peter is interrupted, that's where we begin in chapter 4. Let's, let's read the first four verses. I, I, let me say this before we begin. A couple of things I want to do. Uh, the blue Bibles, you can take those home. If you don't have uh, a Bible of your own, we encourage you to have one. Read more about this. Read up on, on Acts chapter 3, what I just mentioned. Uh, but take one of those home with you. Uh, you might want to leave that open as well because as we go through, we're going to go through several other verses as we go. So Acts chapter 4, just leave that open. Also, we want to pray So before we read the scripture. So let's do that. Father in heaven, we praise and we thank you for our opportunity to gather and worship. I thank you, Lord, for Eric, uh, his leading and for his team uh, that led us into those, those precious songs this morning. That, that sings about the blessed assurance we have in Jesus. Uh, Lord, that touched my heart and, and, and just uh, helped me lead me into to praise this morning. As, and, and even as we sang together, Lord, uh, our attention is a focused upon you to give you the praise that you deserve. We ask this morning as we open your scriptures, Lord, that these words, this story this morning will challenge us, encourage us, strengthen us, uh, continue to change us, Lord. That's what we desire of your word. So we're asking, Father, for your word to be present, uh, for the Holy Spirit to be working upon our hearts, leading us, guiding us. Lord, we want to with confidence say that we are your children, we are your people, and, and living and working in this world. So lead us as we walk through your scriptures this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Here we go. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. There's a couple of results that take place. When we look at those four verses, a couple of results that take place within these four verses. Verse 4, did that catch your attention? You know, we know by the end of chapter 2, after Peter preached his first sermon, 3,000 people came to believe in Jesus. And now in verse 4 it says that now 4,000, uh, no, excuse me, 5,000 men are coming to believe in Jesus. It had to be more than that because it's, that was just men. Someone just counted the men. But there, there had to be some women and, and possibly children who, who came to believe in Jesus' name on that day. And, and so that was a great result. The other result is found in chapter 2, I mean verse 2, where it says, that, that because of Peter's preaching, there were some there who were annoyed. If you have the NIV, it says they were disturbed. They, they weren't happy about what is going on here. Matter of fact, in, in verse 1, we know it's the Sadducees. Uh, the Sadducees are those who are the caretakers of the temple, or they were to watch over the temple. And according to Rome as well, they, they just handed it over to them. You guys are going to take care of this. This is your responsibility. And so the Sadducees were the ones who, who made sure that there was always order around the temple area. And so, of course, they're, they're checking out when all these people are coming when Peter is, is, is preaching this message. And they are listening to what is being said, making sure there's no riots or any disturbances like that going on. But they were disturbed by what 
Peter was saying about Jesus. And they arrested him. They arrested him. There's two results. Many came to believe. <laughs> Some were just plain annoyed, and, and Peter and John were arrested. I wanna, that reminds us of what Jesus told his, his disciples, his apostles. John 16, verse 33, he said, In this world you will have trouble. Being placed in prison is trouble. Being arrested and being placed in prison, uh, that's, that's trouble. He also said that as the world has hated me, it's also going to hate you. There's something about this message of Jesus, which to us, to those who believe, it is life. It is wonderful. But to those who reject it, it is annoying. It is annoying. Uh, ver chapter 4 is an example of what Jesus said. You know, it, it, is, it is probably the first example that's laid out for us that there's going to be trouble for those who declare Jesus. And it, it even stands today. It, it, it absolutely stands today that there is going to be trouble if you boldly follow after Jesus. If you boldly follow after Jesus, there is a good possibility you're going to have trouble. So I want us to learn some lessons that is laid out through this story. The first lesson would be this. Conflict is going to come when you tell the truth about Jesus. When you, when you confidently speak the truth about Jesus, uh, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be conflict. The Sanhedrin, in verses 5 through 12, the Sanhedrin actually gathers them together the next day and questions Peter and John. That's what we're going to see in these verses. Beginning in verse 5. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas and high, the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. Let me take just a moment to comment on that. It was just several weeks before, over, it had to be over seven weeks before this that this same group was gathered together and, and uh, interrogating Jesus on that evening before he was crucified. And more than likely, they're in the same location. Peter and John are, are, are standing in that same place, surrounded by this Sanhedrin, this, the, the religious leaders, as they begin to interrogate Peter and John. This is the same place that Jesus had stood. I find that Interesting. Verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, when they set Peter and John in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Again, the healing of the lame man. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known that to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus, Peter goes on, he says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. The builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, 
For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Oh, that's powerful. Oh, I, I, I had this, this is a very man thing or anybody who has guns. So I don't think it's just a man thing. But I thought about locked and loaded when Peter was about ready to speak. Or I could hear the, the action of the, the shotgun going, whatever that noise is, you know. I could just hear it. it man, he, he was ready to uh, speak about Jesus. Uh, Jesus is offensive to these religious leaders. Jesus is absolutely offensive to these religious leaders. Let me tell you about them again, Sadducees. The Sadducees were those who believed in the written word, the Torah. That's, that's Genesis through uh, Deuteronomy. They believed they, they lived according to the Torah. They did not live according to the, the spoken law, everything that was added later on. Uh, and they did not believe in the resurrection. I had a professor tell me once that, that the way you remember about the Sadducees, that they, they didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they're so sad, you see? Okay? So anyway, if you want to remember the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. The Pharisees, also part of that, the, the religious uh, ruling group, uh, Pharisees, who we know very well because of the, the conflicts with Jesus, the Pharisees believed in the Torah as well, but they also believed in the oral law, the spoken law that people were to live by. And they also believe that there is a resurrection. Now, this made up this council. When Peter is speaking, he says, you're the builders. When it says the builders, in that verse, he is referring to them. They're the builders of the kingdom, the religious leaders. They're the builders of the kingdom. But they're also the ones who have rejected Jesus, the stone that then became a cornerstone. They have rejected that stone. How, you know, we go back into the Gospels. Early on, they were actually drawn to him. They had questions about him. They heard things about him. He spoke with authority, and he was doing miracles. So they wanted to see. They wanted to check out Jesus. But it, for what reason that they then rejected him was because, you know, he, he, hang out, he hung out with uh, sinners, Right? He sat down with Pharisees. I mean, he, he sat down with, with tax collectors and sinners. He ate meals with them. He, he uh, approached uh, uh, prostitutes. There was a prostitute who came in amongst a bunch of Pharisees while they were eating a meal, cried over Jesus' feet, and, and was wiping her tears with her hair. And, and they said, boy, if only, if only he knew who was touching him. And Jesus knew full well. He didn't reject. Matter of fact, he came to seek and to save the lost, and he proved it in those that he was reaching out to. Another problem they had with him was breaking the Sabbath, right? It was there on the Sabbath day in, in a synagogue uh, where Jesus was present. There was a man with a withered hand, and in front of religious leaders, he healed the man with the the. the dysfunctional hand, the, the hand that was withered. It was restored. It was made useful again. And he did that in front of them. And what did they do? They, did they rejoice? No. They grumbled. They grumbled and, and accused Jesus of breaking the Sabbath laws. They needed to do away with Jesus. As a matter of fact, there's a time, uh, John 8, 58, where uh, uh, Jesus was dealing with these, uh, these Jews. Uh, he had healed 
uh, a man uh, cast out a demon uh, from, from a man, and, and so it caused a controversy. Well, he's casting them out on, on behalf of demons, and it caused a lot of conversation. Well, who, who are you? It came up the question. And Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Are you familiar with that reference, I am, Yahweh? He, he made that connection with God, and it was offensive to that group, and they began to pick up stones with the intent of stoning him, of killing him right there and then. But of course, he slipped away. It says it wasn't his time yet. These people just wanted to do away with Jesus. He was, he was um, an annoyance. Verse 12. Verse 12. Let me repeat what verse 12 says. Verse 12 says, and there, was a, there, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which uh, we must be saved. This was absolutely offensive to these rulers, these, these religious uh, leaders over all of Israel. This was Why would this be offensive? He's telling them that they need salvation, first of all. They don't need salvation. God is their God. And, and that's the covenant we're living in. Uh, he is our God, and we are his people. We don't need so So they're thinking, hey, listen, we don't need salvation. But he says there is salvation in no other name. In no other name. How offensive that this was before these religious leaders. He, they were speaking the truth. Uh, they were, uh, Peter was speaking the truth. And the truth was offensive to this Sanhedrin, to these religious leaders. Uh, Jesus actually said the same thing. Uh, the same content in John 14, 6, which we've repeated before. But where Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. In our society today, in our society that has difficulty in claim anything, claiming anything as truth, right? We're, we're in a world that, that, man, what is truth? Well, you have your truth and I have my truth. But I want to let you know there is an absolute truth. And Jesus spoke absolute truth. And when we read these words, uh, it, it, it says that Jesus is the only way. And, it's, and, and in speaking it in a world that says, well, listen, uh, I have my way to God. You have your way to God. And, and, and everything's okay as long as you believe. And that is absolutely a lie. According to the scriptures, not from me, but that's what Jesus said. No one can come to the Father but by me. And there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That is the foundationally, that is that is our message. It is about Jesus. Do we understand that? And that message is offensive to the world. Who wants to live and everybody has their truth and that's okay? It's not okay when it comes to their absolute salvation before God. 
understand and embrace it. Second, second lesson I, I want us to learn this morning from this story is there are many religious leaders who avoid conflict, who want us to avoid conflict by not teaching Jesus. Don't teach Jesus. Don't speak about Jesus. That was their great conclusion. Here, here's the, in verses 13 through 18, follow with me on, on these verses because here's where the, the leaders get together and deliberate about what are we going to do. Listen to what it says, beginning of verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another. Peter and John left. They began to deliberate. Saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Verse 18. So they called them. And charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. The Sanhedrin, with this situation, found themselves between a rock and a hard place. They found themselves between a rock and a hard place. The rock, in, in that scenario, is, is Jesus. The rock is Jesus. Now the hard place finds themselves with Peter and John and this healed lame man. Peter and John, first of all, think about Peter and John. Here, Peter and John, both of them fishermen, both of them are now standing before this Sanhedrin. They, they ought to be shaking in their boots, right? This is the leadership over, over all of Israel, and, and there, there's a number of them, Pharisees, Sadducees, they're in, in interrogation. And I'm sure they've had those standing before them before, and they were nervous. Not Peter and John. They had, they had perceived, hey, these are common men. These are uneducated men. And yet they spoke what? Boldly. Boldly. What was it about these guys? You know, Matt, I, I, I really believe, and, and from what this text says, it caught them off guard that they spoke uh, so boldly. But the other thing is they identified as these men have been with Jesus. I love that part. These men have been with Jesus. Do you remember Jesus spent three years investing in these guys? And on that day, boldly they spoke on his behalf. And, and, and I, I, don't forget the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it said that the Holy Spirit also was there and, and filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke passionately the words that, that uh, Peter laid out before them. And so the Sanhedrin had a problem. How do we get out of this rock in this hard place? Well, their solution is let's remove the rock. Let's remove the rock. Let's remove Jesus. So they, they commanded them, okay, no longer are you going to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And that's all they could do because of the hard place, right? 
because of the hard place. The, the lame man standing right there, the man that they've known for years who's been begging at the gate is now completely healed, over 40 years old, standing there. What could they say? Well, the only solution is let's remove Jesus from this equation. Don't speak anymore about Jesus. I, I, we, we know this is a truth in our day and age right now that the church, the church overall has been under the temptation to remove or to water down the message of Jesus. Or not, I should say not tell the truth about Jesus. That's a temptation. When the world around us is so offended when we, are, when we dare to speak that there is no other means of salvation except for Jesus, there, the temptation is, I want to be a little careful because I don't want to offend anybody here. It, that's, that's absolutely what's been happening in churches. They've even gone to the place of taking the scripture and saying, really, it is not the inspired word of God. It, it's not the inerrant word of God. They've gone to that place. And, and trying to dumb down what we know to be true. I know there's seeker-friendly churches, or at least that became real popular some years ago. And that, that what we're going to do with Sunday morning, we're, we're, we're going to try to take all the offensive out and, and make it attractive. So more people will come in. That, that ought to be good, right? So more people will come in. And, and, and so what they did was, let's remove the, such words as, as, uh, uh, as repentance. And let's not talk about your sinfulness. Let's not talk about those things. That's, that's offensive. We've got to talk about the truth. I have to stand up here and, and I want to speak on God's behalf. That's why, we, that's why we use the scriptures. I want you to hear, I want you to see for yourself what the word says. His word says, and, and to live according to what his word uh, leaves for us. In this world, I've, I've heard in some places where John 14, 6, what I quoted for you earlier, I've heard it said, uh, no one comes, to, oh, excuse me, uh, where Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And that's where they stop. Have you heard that happen? What a great passage. Let's just quote it. This is what Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And they leave out, no one comes to the Father but by me. They leave that out intentionally because that's offensive. We have to embrace that as the truth. The foundation we have to stand for our salvation is Jesus. On the day I stand before God, I'm looking for Jesus. He's my representative. Why will I not be fearful? Because what Jesus did for me is absolutely perfect. I mess up all the time. I'm fumbling through this life in my flesh. I have my struggles and things. But I have Jesus. I have Jesus. And on the day I stand before him, Jesus is going to stand and, and, and say, he's mine. Aren't you looking forward to that day? Aren't you looking forward to that day? There's churches that, that uh, don't have the cross that, because the cross is offensive. We, we don't want to offend anybody, so I don't want you to see the cross. I mean, the idea of Jesus dying is, is not a pretty picture. I want, I want to preach that Jesus died because if, we, if Jesus didn't die, then we don't know the victory that Jesus had over, over death 
uh, through his resurrection. And the fact that he promises us that resurrection is part of our message as well. Finally, it leads to this question. Uh, the, the last, or, or the response of Peter and John leads uh, to this question. Point three, should I listen to men or to God? You, you get to decide. Oh, thank you. <laughs> should I listen to men or to God? And, and it is really everybody's individual decision. Am I going to listen to men or to God? Let me read verses 19 and 20. Here's where Peter and John answered. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. What they absolutely laid out before them was, hey, listen, you... You need to decide this. Should we listen to you or should we listen to God? The, the answer is obvious, right? Thank you, Donna. Right? The answer is, you all knew it. Y'all, you, you weren't brave enough to say it like Donna was. But, but it's God. I mean, we want to listen to God. It's his decision as to who enters eternity with him. Right? And he's made that means through Jesus. And so, hey... Listen, I'm going to pay attention to what God says. And here's what they, how they responded. They can't help but speak about what they've seen and heard. Because what they've seen, what they've heard, came from Jesus. God's absolute perfect representative who came into this world. Peter's previous sermon said, here he is. Here's the servant of God, Isaiah. Uh, out of Isaiah, you know, God is going to send his servant. He's going to suffer. He's going to die for our iniquities, our sinfulness. He is that servant who comes, who is holy and righteous, who is the author of life, chapter 3, you know, his sermon. He also said he is that prophet. He is that prophet promised to come, one who is like Moses. Listen to him, he said. That's all part of the, the previous sermon in this, in this passage when he answered, hey, it is Jesus. It is because of Jesus that this man is able to walk. And, and so from their testimony, everything they've seen, everything that they've heard, we have to go because that's exactly what God is doing in this world right now. It's right there before them. They've seen it. It's not coming out of you. It's not coming out of you men, you leaders of Israel. And, and unfortunately, it's not coming out of a lot of pulpits. It's not coming out of a, a lot of preachers today. Those who want to deny Jesus or those who don't want to speak the truth about the absolute, absolute essential need for everybody to have Jesus. Don't like some of those words. There's absolute. You know, absolutely, it's Jesus. Do we understand that? It's Jesus that we need. They've come to that conclusion. Listen, there will be trouble if you boldly follow after Jesus. Because the world around you, have you seen that? The, the world is in conflict with you. They don't like those words, absolute truth. Everybody has their own truth. And you're going to come to conflict with anybody who says, well, I have my truth, you have yours. 
it's difficult then to say and almost egotistical to say, well, I have the truth. The truth is, I really didn't come up with that truth myself. That truth came out of the scriptures, how it's written down. This is truth. I'm fumbling around. Can I tell you about myself? I'm fumbling around, but I love the fact that it's written down so I could just read it to you. <laughs> I could say, this, this is Jesus. This is who Jesus is. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. And, and because of him, my life is being changed and transformed. And, and you know the thing about going out and doing good things. Churches are going out and doing good things. But if it doesn't follow with, hey, let me tell you about Jesus, then all we're doing is a bunch of good things. You know, if, if, if Peter and John just healed this lame man, whoa, that's great. That's wonderful. There would have been no conflict that day. Do more of that. But they had to add this, this line about, hey, this, it's, it's Jesus, the reason he's healed. And, it, and he took this lame man and, and restored his legs, and he's able to walk and leap and do incredible things. But it's because of Jesus who you killed and who God raised from the dead. That's our message. That's our message. That's our message. There will be trouble if we follow passionately after Jesus, uh, confident in Jesus. Conflict will come when we boldly tell the truth about Jesus. Many religious leaders in this world avoid conflict by not teaching Jesus. If we cease, if we cease here to, to teach about Jesus, I encourage you to go somewhere else. I'll tell you today in case we slip and do some real ignorant things. And, and if you leave, go somewhere else. Find the church that speaks about Jesus, that holds to Jesus as being the truth, the only way to salvation. And, and the simple and obvious answer to this question is God. Should I listen to men or to God? Let me end in this. I want to remind you about what Joshua said. Remember Joshua in the Old Testament? Joshua chapter 24. Joshua's uh, kind of concluding his life. He's been work, working all his life with a bunch of fickle people who, who, who continue to, to wrestle with, do we follow God or do we continue to want to go back to Egypt or, or follow the gods of the nations all around? And, and Joshua said, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. You're going to serve those gods uh, of Egypt or those gods who are, who are in the surrounding area. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Man, that, that is a powerful statement that, that many, many of us need to say. As for me and my house, we're going we're to pursue the truth of his word. We're going to pursue God. We're going to be honoring of God. And, and do that with our lives. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for this day. We praise you, uh, Lord, always for your word. Eternal, Lord, uh, the, the fact, uh, I just talking to a gentleman this morning, uh, thinking about uh, how, how important this truth is, about the significance of this truth, that, that even your scripture says that you are the same yesterday, today, and and, and forever, that your word does not change. It's consistent. Father, so the word does not change with society, Lord. Uh, but, but Father, we pray that as we 
look for the consistency of living according to your word, loving, uh, Lord, being forgiving, uh, being merciful, Lord, taking your message of Jesus uh, to the surrounding area. We pray, Lord, that you work in us, lead us through your spirit, guide us, uh, strengthen us to be your people today as we identify with you. God, we praise you for the message of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.